Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Gordy, Gordy, can I bother you for a second? Hey, folks, Big Game Bob here. Before we get the show started, let me remind you, please, don't try and be a hero at your local barbecue. Keep it easy, stick to technology, what got us here with meter. Protect your meat today with meter, the world's first truly wireless leave-in meat thermometer with a water-resistant stainless steel design, designed with internal and external temperature sensors to ensure perfectly prepared meat for any meal. Don't mess with another man's meat, folks. Okay? If you want to be the barbecue guy, sure, be that guy. Take on the grill, but do it with the meter. You can get the meter today at meter.com. Protect your meat like Big Bob does. Stick this baby in the steak and be prepared for greatness. Not overcooked, not undercooked. Perfectly medium rare the way steak should be if you got the meter stick. Enjoy your next barbecue today. All right. Folks, good morning, good morning, good morning. Beautiful Tuesday morning here, folks. Ready to rock and roll. Big game, Bob. Coming to you live on your local airwaves. However you're listening, why ever you're listening, we're just happy you are indeed listening. I say works. I'm looking at Grace Ibrahim behind the glass on the ones and twos. This is episode 81. For those of you watching on the YouTube right now, please don't ask what my hat means. I have no idea. A company sent me a hat. If you're listening on the audio, it says pay your I got no idea what it means. I like the hat. Been running around with it ever since. It could mean fuck you in French. I would have no idea. If I'm offending anybody, I apologize. I repeat, I have no idea what the hell this hat means. This is episode 81, folks. Again, usually we do our promos at the end. Not for this one. July 25th, me, Forrest Galante from Animal Planet, Rob Lowe, Joey Coldcuts, hopping on some electronic surfboards in the Santa Barbara waters. Going to be an absolute electric factory. Get ready for that. Keep an eye on the YouTube for that, folks. Please go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube if you have not already. Grace Ibrahim, I didn't even have this for the sports bit, but I just woke up this morning and saw that somebody spent $1.8 million on a LeBron James rookie card. I would love to meet that person. I, I, I really would because I just, me, when it comes to memorabilia, especially something like that, I just don't understand it. I really don't. What, what are you going to do with a LeBron James rookie card? I get it. He's one of the best to ever, one of the best to ever play, okay? I get that. I understand that. What are you going to do with his little two-by-four rookie card, okay? It's not like something you can hang on the wall. It's not a big plaque, all right? If I'm going to buy the card, spend $1.8 million on the rookie card, I'm going to want to flash it. I'm going to want to wear that thing on my wrist like it's a Rolex. Do you think anybody knows that that's the LeBron James rookie card for $1.8 million? You think a girl sitting at the bar being like, I think that guy's got a LeBron James rookie card. Karen, Karen, I could be wrong, but that guy at the bar over there, I believe, has the LeBron James rookie card. Nobody gives a shit. It's not like a Rolex. You could just wear that sucker on the wrist. Everybody's going to know you spent fifty grand for it. At least you get a little bit of credit. 
I mean, some of these memorabilia things, if you're going to get memorabilia, get like a, I don't know, Hakeem Olajuwon shoe. You could put that thing on the wall with how big it is. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, yeah, I got Steph Curry's mouthpiece from Game 6 of the 2016 NBA. Oh, that's nice, Chuck. Can you please not bring that thing to the dinner table with company over? It might ruin their appetite, even if they like Steph Curry or not. You think they want you to come out and bring his Game 6 mouthpiece while we're here having dinner? Yeah, pass the mouthpiece around, why don't we? Everybody, get a touch. That was in Steph Curry's mouth. Oh, yeah, this is Baron Davis's floss that he used before Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Everybody, pass the floss around. Yeah, I bought it for 50 k off eBay. They didn't charge me for shipping because floss is so light in weight. Is that the most ridiculous purchase you've ever spent? $1.8 million. Unless he has plans to resell it, that's a total different ballgame. You know, I'm busting this guy's balls about spending a ridiculous amount of money. Meanwhile, I just spent $150 for a golf lesson. A 30-minute golf lesson. Apparently, this guy's like Jesus when it comes to golf. And to be quite frank, I, the way I kind of reasons with myself is if, if my golf swing is going well, everything in life is going well. Food tastes better. Conversations are better. I got more life in me. On the total contrary, if the golf swing's not going well, Everything's a mess. Food doesn't taste as well. The sun's never shining as bright. It just, it, things are totally different. I had to get it fixed. So I go to this guy, $150 for 30 minutes. Now I'm on the clock always. So I get here and I just want to bring out the big stick. This guy better fix my swing in 30 minutes because I don't want to have to pay for a second lesson, $150. They got this big clock behind you so you know how much time you have on the lesson. It's totally nerve-wracking. Totally. The problem is the key to this guy is he's a big believer in short game. So he makes you drain 10 putts in a row from a couple feet out before you guys could start swinging. My problem is I spent 15 minutes trying to put these putts in the most most people would. Yeah, how hard it is to make 10 putts in a row regardless of how short you are. There's somebody just blowing through their kid's college tuition because they can't hit these 10 putts and move over to the irons and driver. Somebody out there really wants his swing fixed, probably cannot afford this guy, but is paying it because they got to get that thing fixed. You imagine he comes home to his wife. So it's like, Chuck, are you using the iron jet or no? I'm not. I'm not. We're blowing through fucking cash right here because you can't make a couple putts. How long is this going to take you? Poor guy's wife is coming to check in on him on his lessons to make sure that he's making his putts. So they could start stop blowing money on golf lessons. Golf's a wild game, folks. Makes you do crazy, crazy things. It's a beautiful game. I love it. But my God, things are just not as good when you're not driving well. So, so shame on me for busting this guy for spending $1.8 million on a rookie card when I'm dropping one fifty easy for 30 minutes. Most nerve-wracking thing of all time making those 10 putts. 150 down the drain. Took me 15 minutes the last time. Now I got to go see him again next week. Unbelievable. Grace, I got a cup of coffee in me. I'm feeling good, feeling hot. We are moving on. Well, Grace Ibrahim, as we sit here, episode 81 of the Brownly Dumb Show, there's something that I'd like to say that I think I have an answer to. I saw on the news the other day. 
that divorce rate in the United States is at an all-time high. Now, do I think the coronavirus pandemic plays a part in that? Absolutely. Be a shame if I didn't think so, because that's the truth. I mean, you're with your significant other all day. Financials may not be as good. People are losing jobs. Little bit of chaos in that regard. Okay, I get that. Here's where we have the downfall. Here's what needs to be fixed. The wedding plannings. Okay, you are setting yourself up for a disaster before you are even married. My buddy's name is Rob as well. He was my roommate in college, my best friend till this day. Got engaged to his girlfriend last week. He proposed. Now, I said congratulations to him right after the congratulations, being the good friend that I am. I let him know how fucked he is and that he is going to be in a mental warfare for the next couple months planning this wedding. It's an absolute disaster, and we need to change the process of the wedding planning. You are going to be making the most difficult decisions you and your wife have ever had to make before you even get married. We're talking mental warfare in these wedding setups. It, it, it makes or breaks a couple. It's when the true, true colors show during this process. Absolute mental warfare. Now, what I think is is that you should use your parents as the first line of defense. I've always been a believer the parents should plan the wedding. Do you know how many different stages you got to go through the planning this thing? Stage one, the location. Where is the location of the wedding? Not everybody's families live all in the same state. Your spouse, your wife, soon-to-be wife, may have family in California, you grew up in New Jersey, you guys met at Cal Berkeley going to college together, do you meet halfway at Ohio or something? Why does the family in New Jersey now have to travel all the way to California? Shouldn't the family in California have to travel to New Jersey? What time of the year do you do it? That's stage one right there. Stage two, the venue. How big of a wedding do you have? Does your wife have a lot of friends? She was in a sorority, wants to invite all these girls, big family. You maybe want to have a smaller wedding. Now does she get 150 seats and you only get 75? Why is that? The venue is chaos as well. That's just stage two, folks. Stage three. This is the best type of advice I could give you from a guy who's not married and have seen this process play out. Stage three, the food at the wedding. Let me give you some advice. Don't worry about the dinner. Make it the cheapest food. When it comes for the entree, nobody ever remembers the entree. Save your money. The the amount of money you have to spend on these plates, you'd be blown away by. I watched the process go down when my sister was getting married. It's a zoo. It's just an absolute circus. Save your money on the dinner. Don't worry about the plate. Nobody remembers what they had for dinner at a wedding. It doesn't sit with them. They don't say, oh, wow, thank God the Andersons did a filet 10 years ago at their wedding. That was really a great filet. Nobody's thinking of that. Where you spend the money on is the cocktail hour. We do remember hors d'oeuvres. Not entrees at weddings. We remember hors d'oeuvres. Save the entree money. Spend that money on the hors d'oeuvres. Crab cakes, scallops, go all out on cocktail hour. That is what we really remember the most. Do that. Going to save yourself some money, but you're not done yet. Stage four is when all hell breaks loose. That's when you do the guest list and seating chart 
absolute disaster. Like I said, the parents of the bride and groom should be the ones planning this out. They should be the first line of defense. If they can't find, you know, a, a good good medium there, then you go to the bride and groom because that's going to be pure chaos. By the time you get to the wedding, the parents on each side fucking hate each other. And that's okay as long as the bride and groom don't. The guest list is just ridiculous. The wife wants to invite Uncle Larry, even though that's not really her uncle. She just called him Uncle Larry throughout his life. That's another seat for Uncle Larry. But if you give that seat to Uncle Larry, your Uncle Chuck should probably get the invite too. Are you close to Uncle Chuck? No, but if she gets Larry, you should be able to get Uncle Chuck. Chaos. Absolute chaos. Do you put Uncle Chuck and Uncle Larry together? Is that a fair thing to seat them together, even though they don't know each other? Or do you find somebody from table five that belongs to be close family and friends, but you bring that person from five to Uncle Larry and Uncle Chuck's table just so they could kind of get them going and talking and involved in conversation? So you got to use that guy as the fallen soldier just to now go to that table to kind of stir up some conversation, make them feel at home. You don't even enjoy your wedding when you get to the wedding because you're so worried about making sure that everybody's having a good time. You got to couple wild cards that you invited that you want to make sure is kind of getting involved. It's chaos, folks. It's absolutely chaos. The toughest decisions you'll ever have to make. You know what, Grace? It's kind of like throwing in a rookie quarterback into the Super Bowl. Going against the 88 Chicago's Bears defense. Not only do you have to worry about the defense, then they say on top of that and on top of trying to win the Super Bowl and learning the playbook, even though you haven't started a single game, haven't had a single snap, you got to worry about the venue for the Super Bowl. You got to worry about airfare for different people traveling to the Super Bowl, who you invite to the Super Bowl, how many family and friends can you bring to the Super Bowl, how many tickets do you get for one team, how many tickets do you get for the other team. It's absolute chaos. That's what planning the weddings like. You're making the toughest decisions of your marriage before you're even married. It's all fucked up. And forget about that. Before you even get engaged, you got to pick the ring. Do you know how much of a disaster it is to pick the ring? How do you get the dimensions of your soon-to-be fiancé's finger? How do you do that process flawless? Do you do the extra carrot? Do you spend seven grand on the ring? Do you spend five grand on the ring? Can they notice? Can the girl notice a difference between the $7,000 ring and a $5,000 ring? I don't think they do, but who am I to judge? Again, I'm not the one who's married. I don't know. But these are the decisions you have to make before you're even married. It's ridiculous. Do you go out with your fiance? She sees another girl at the bar and says, man, why couldn't you get me that extra carrot? I don't know. Do I have to drop a lot on a ring? Is there somebody to talk to? It's a big, big deal, guys. We have got to change the wedding planning process because right now it's a mess and it's going to continue to lead to divorce after divorce after divorce. That's all I'm saying. Let's just change that process. Let's simplify it. Parents, you go as the first line of defense. Try and set it up there. If it doesn't work and all hell breaks loose, you go to the bride and groom, but they might be doomed. I don't know. Anywho, what I do know, we are moving on. I tell you, Grace, I'll be honest with you. A premium product deserves premium advertisement. 
That's what I got here with these Raycon earbuds. You tuck these babies right in here, Grace. You're good to go. I ran four miles the other day. You know the last time I ran four miles? It's like these things aren't even here. Premium quality earbuds. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best price, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. You've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities, J.R. Smith, all these good guys. Now it's Big Game Bob's turn. Tuck these babies in. Listen to greatness as you should in the way you should. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash dumb. We kept it easy for you. Buyraycon.com slash dumb for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash dumb. Folks, enjoy premium quality. So, Grace, I, I, we went on a double date the other night. We went for sushi. Seeing this girl for a little bit. Now, I met up with, so it was her best friend. Okay, and then her boyfriend, she's not a big fan of the boyfriend and doesn't want him to be with her best friend. Now, that puts me in a tricky situation, especially for the fact I happen to like the guy. I like the guy a lot. He was a true ball buster. And, and, and you're left with a decision, especially on a double date where you don't know the other two. You're going to have to make a decision pretty quick on who you should pay more attention to, who you're going to get more longevity out of. You can't pay the same attention to both of the couple that you don't know. You just can't. One's going to get more attention from you than the other, and it's going to be a tricky decision that you're going to have to make. The problem I had with the girl I'm seeing, the other girl, it's her best friend, so I want to get in good with her. This way I'm good to go. However, this guy that she's not a big fan of, I'm a huge fan of. I thought the guy was hysterical. Just a true ball buster. And I could always use another friend. So it was pretty quick where I had to make the decision on who I was going to go with. Now, when you go down and you sit down at a table for four, the person across from you, that's your, that's your, that's your person throughout the night. That's who you're getting throughout the night, whether you like it or not. You could pay attention to the other two, but they're diagonal. It's not the same. You're locked in eye-to-eye person across from you. Here's the thing with sushi restaurants, and it says everything about a person because you're going to be – you're going to be dealt with some really tough decisions that people don't want to make, okay? For example, the sushi ordering process is one of the toughest things to do, especially with people don't know that you don't know. You got to get the right amount of sushi. Do you start off with the miso soup? Are we doing sake? Is it going to be a sake type of night? Is that the type of direction we're taking this? If you do the sake, can you do a beer on top? Do we have a budget? Is it a pricey place? Is it a little bit nervy if you order the beer on top? Or do we just go a bottle of red? We just don't know. This kid stepped up to the plate, and he made the decisions that nobody wanted to do. And to be quite frank with you, I commended the guy for that. Getting the right amount of sushi is a very tough thing to do. But then the sushi comes out, and you would think that these sushi places, that they do it so often that they would put a perfect amount of sushi per person. You have four people, 
eight pieces of sushi, keep it easy, nice even number. It's never an equal amount of sushi. It's always like nine pieces. And then if you have three people, they do an even number. They just always throw you off because there's always going to be that one piece of sushi that's going to be sitting there. And everybody's going to look around and point the finger and say, Ah, oh, no, you take that. I'm No, seriously, I'm full. You're not full. It's the first roll. We all know you want that yellow tail, no doubt about it. It's the best roll that's been out there. And everybody kind of looks at each other. Now, I'm one of the guys, and I'll probably take a lot of heat for this. I take a mental note of who took how many pieces of sushi. And everybody probably hates that guy. I'm sorry, it's me. I saw that you already got two, two yellowtail and two California roll, which would mean that I get one more California roll, one more yellowtail, but nobody saw that I never went for a second California roll. So I should have the right and the option to the California roll as well as the yellowtail, but I can't take them both at the same time because then I look like the asshole. So what I like to do is I'll just point the chopsticks and kind of direct who's taken what piece. You, yellowtail. You, California roll. You, you've had enough. Take some edamame. We got some more coming. I'm kind of keeping a sushi counter. I am. What do you want me to say? And the kid was dominating. He really was. He was running the conversation. Usually I'm the guy running the conversation. This guy was phenomenal. Regardless of what the girl I'm seeing had to say about him. But he was so good that I almost wanted him to have a little bit of a downfall at some point. Because it was getting to the point where he was just running the show. So he gets a little piece of sashimi stuck in his teeth. Now I'm sitting across from him. So if there's anybody who should let him know that there's some sashimi in his teeth, it's probably me being that I'm the guy across from and I'm looking right directly at his teeth. I just let it go throughout the night. So I'm paying most attention to this guy. I really like the guy. I think I'm going to get a new friend. By the end of the dinner... He comes over to me and goes, hey, man, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. We're saying our goodbyes. I thought I did great with the guy. He said, look, I really enjoyed it, but um, really would appreciate if you would have let me know about that piece of sashimi. I went to the bathroom and saw it there. How long did you let that go? So, well, you know, if I'm being honest with you, the sashimi came out pretty early, so it was there for a while. So, well, what, well, why would you not say anything? I said, I didn't think it was my part. Had it been a California roll, something thicker, maybe a piece of rice, I would have got you. I thought that you could have got through with that piece of sashimi without anybody noticing. If I could do it over again, I probably would have told you about the piece of sashimi. But that's what sushi restaurants do. Double dates can honestly be the worst. But the su- you would think the sushi places would adapt and make it easier on us. You just never know who's getting what piece even number of people, they put an odd number of sushi. It's just sheer chaos. My advice to you people, take the chopstick, take charge, say you, you're taking that, you that. None other of the bullshit, we don't have time for that. Double down on the sake if you have to. Sushi restaurants will say everything about a person. Any, who, moving on. All right, folks, here we are, episode 81. Not a milestone episode, but... We have an announcement to make, one that we've kind of been holding off for a while. We take Grace Ibrahim out of the glass for this one here. Grace, I'm going to let you take this away. Again, this is something we're going to forgo the Ask Bob segment. It's that important. Something we've been holding off a day we didn't think would come. Take it away, G. 
Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that the people have finally seen me, but not for a good reason. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's no secret that things have kind of been shit in the United States. There's a lot going on. And unfortunately, because of that, work visas just aren't doing very well. And I'm going to have to uh, take a leave of absence for a while. I'm leaving the country in about a month and a half. And um, it was very unexpected. I thought I'd be able to stay and kind of hard because I'm having to say goodbye to a few things that I'm, you know, attached to here, one being this podcast. Um, but I think it's, you know, the the cliche of all cliches, which is like, it's not goodbye. It's it's uh, see you soon or see you later. Was, wasn't was it, we kind of knew that it was going to come, that the day was going to come, you were going to have to go back to, to live in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But again, to Jordan. We, yep. This has this really has been like a build up. Like we've been going back and forth. We've had highs and lows. Like there are weeks when I'm like, Rob, like we got this. It's gonna work. And then there's weeks when we're so down. It's like hard to even talk about. And it's just it was a lot rough. of ups ups and downs. And the fact of trying to get this done to keep you here again. You were working for Bro Bible, and it, it just wasn't enough to keep you here. But everything you were doing, lawyers wise, there would be one week where we thought we had a chance to extend and. It just it was a lot of ups and downs in it, and we wanted it to stay so bad. I almost feel guilty, in all honesty, because what we it was kind of last resort, and we didn't know what to do. And I said, literally, the only shot we're really gonna have is if this thing just blows the fuck up, and they have no choice. But I mean, it, honestly, if you look at it in retrospect, like it's only been a year since. I mean, really, a little bit over a year since you called me up and you were like, I want to do a podcast. Like, can we do this? And I was like, hell yeah, like, let's do it. And so to see what's happened in a year is crazy just in terms of, you know, moving forward. I'm sure it's going to blow up even more. So that's hopeful. But the whole process is crazy because, like you said, it was like we were talking to lawyers and they would throw a visa at you. There's um, a whole list of a bunch of different visas that people who aren't from the U.S. can, can get here. But... Every time you're, like, thrown a little, like, you know, they kind of bait you, and then you go into the process, and they're like, wait, but you need this, 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 this. There's all these requirements. So we thought, yeah, we thought Bro Bible was definitely our ticket in, but it turns out that wasn't even enough, so it's You crazy. know why I'm, I'm thankful for hospitality? Because I obviously was born in the United States, born and raised in New Jersey. I never or never had really friends that had to deal with this as far as trying to get citizenship in the United States. And when I started working in hospitality and hotels, you meet a lot of people from other countries. It's a very foreign, you know, it's a very foreign business to be in. You get people from all over and you see what they go through to try and stay and get citizenship for in America and they leave their families. And I really got it firsthand here. And it just sucks because I don't, we definitely, I, I don't know if I would have started a podcast if it wasn't for you. You got us all going in it. There's been... It's just been a fun ride, and and again, and I know, know we've done a lot in a year, but I do feel guilty to the point where I really thought if we could blow it up the way that I wanted to at a fast enough time, you know, that you would be able to stay here. I know, but honestly, nothing to feel guilty about. It's been the uh, most awesome, amazing experience. It's been, like, such a learning experience, and I feel like we've just, like, both leveled up in terms of our craft and just like what we're doing and it's it's been awesome and we obviously have came so close throughout again i don't think it would have started without you gee what would you say okay you're the bread and butter to the show what would you say out of all the days what was your top favorite moment for grace ibrahim behind the glass on the ones and twos 
So obviously this is such a tough question because there are so many good moments that we've had in just a year. Um, but I, okay, actually, now that I thought of the one I was going to say, I thought of another moment. But I think the Jordan Belfort episode, and obviously it was a great episode, great interview. I, it was so surreal seeing you in the studio with, with Jordan with the Belfort. Wolf, with the Wolf of Wall with Street. With the Wolf of Wall Street, like just like being Robbie <laughs> and shooting the shit. It was crazy. But it was more so the, I think, build up to that episode because I remember I was shopping. I wasn't even shopping. I was just in a sunglass store, and you called me up and you were like, guess who? the next fucking guest on the podcast is and I was like who and you said the wolf of wall street and I was like Jordan Belfort no way and it was just like so surreal because I feel like that was a moment that we truly like leveled up and like the guests just started rolling in after that and it was just like you were so excited oh, on the phone God, like I'll never forget moment. that you were so excited and I was so excited it was just like an awesome moment you and know I was what's like, amazing damn, okay, about it like, too we're doing the damn thing it's, it's funny you say the Belfort one because before that was what our maybe our third interview since we signed with bro bible even leading up to Bro Bible, the back and forth just as far as getting that done and the stipulation that the, the thing that I asked for them was I needed Grace to, to come aboard with us and Bro Bible was great about that. They said, sure, no problem. You guys figured out you know, what your deal and, and everything with that. So we were coming off such a high with that and then right out of the gates to come out as hot as we did – and it felt like I was calling you every two days and saying, holy shit, we got this guy. Holy we shit, got... the next, I know. Yeah, <laughs> and we just started part. rolling. It was crazy. And then I think just my other number two was when Saquon wrote in the article, oh, yeah. The Really Dumb Show, because that was another, and I still have those text messages. It was like, check your phone. I went nuts. I went nuts. You it was all I, guys. I wish I could like. I have to screenshot that text strain and just like show it to everybody because you were like, in all caps, Grace, check <laughs> your fucking Instagram. And I was like, holy shit! Like, what happened? I'm thinking it's like something terrible. And I was like, what? And you were like, holy shit! Just check. I was it. absolutely. And I opened my phone and I was like, damn! Like, we just got put on the map. Like, it was crazy. And we just—it's it, amazing. It almost felt like every week after that we had another amazing. As far as it was, I would freak out the same way. We have this guest. We have this guest. And we just we kept it rolling. And and gee, I hope you know how much you'll be missed. Our ideal. Goal is to blow this thing up, blow the podcast, do the numbers that we really think we could do, and, and get you back here under whatever circumstances we we got to get you back here. But we won't be able to replace you. I'll still be calling you from behind the glass, even though you won't be behind the glass. We but gotta get a cutout. Yeah, we we should. We really should. <laughs> we we gotta should get, get a life size cutout. I would love that. I mean, I really should. It would make me feel at home. And as long as you're okay with us, will you be listening from Jordan? 100%. I'm going to be promoting from Jordan. It's a sad day. Every, everyone's got to listen to the Brilliantly Dumb show. That's Gee, my opinion. You're the best. We will do everything, the Brilliantly Dumb faithful, to get you back. Everything we got to do. Thank you. Doesn't happen without you. Thanks. All right, I appreciate G. Appreciate it. All right. We'll be seeing you soon, I promise. I know. That's it, folks. That's a wrap. Episode 81. G. Ibrahim says goodbye. The bread and butter. To this podcast, we will get her back. Always behind the glass. Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba.
Gordy. Gordy, can I bother you for a second? 